Welcome to Above Avalon. This is episode 151, Apple's Financial Tug of War. Hi, I'm Neil. Today's episode is going to be different. and In some ways, it presents a little bit of a challenge for me because I've never done an episode like this, but I'm up for the challenge. One topic that we never talk about in this podcast is Apple's quarterly earnings. We don't go over the results in detail. There are, there are a few reasons for that. But the primary one is I don't talk about Apple's earnings in the weekly articles over at AboveAllen.com. And that's what these podcast episodes are based on. When I publish a weekly article, I will then sit down and record a podcast episode based on that article. Very often, I will have analysis or research that may not have made the cut for the article, but I could certainly use that for our discussions on this podcast. Instead, what I do with Apple earnings is I talk about all of the results. I go over all my thoughts regarding what Apple announced in the daily updates. I think that medium works really well. But that got me thinking. There are actually two aspects to Apple's earnings. The first is an earnings release amounts to a snapshot. You're looking at how a company performed during a three-month stretch. And I think there's an incredible amount of value in analyzing that snapshot, figuring out what are you looking at. And again, I think that's well-suited for the daily updates. But there's another way of approaching earnings. And that is instead of looking at every single snapshot in detail, you try to combine them. You look at a series of snapshots. And what I think that does is it gives you perspective. It gives you knowledge that you can then use to analyze future snapshots. So in a way, when you take a step back from any one earnings release, I think it adds clarity. So in today's episode, that's what we're going to attempt. We're going to talk about some of my expectations ahead of this next earnings release, Apple's third quarter, 2019. But in some ways, the discussion is going to go beyond just that quarter. Maybe some of you are listening to this podcast later on, 2019. Maybe some of you are listening to this in 2020 or beyond. I think the discussion we have in this episode will be relevant to you in future earnings releases. Earnings have always played a very interesting role in my career. So as a former Wall Street stock analyst, earnings season was mayhem. <laughs> and if there are any analysts out there listening to this podcast, you would know exactly what I'm talking about. You have roughly a three to four week stretch in which 15 to 20 companies that you're covering reports earnings. So you have to analyze the press release, get questions ready for the conference call, listen to the conference call. Can't just go and read transcripts. That's after the fact. Then you have to publish research reports, update your model, and very often you have to do this within a few hours. Everything has to be ready for the next morning's update or morning note. So usually you have to do all of this by midnight or 1 a.m. And the thing is, some nights 
you will have four to five companies report earnings. I'm fortunate in which I can focus all of my attention on one company and I don't have to worry about rushing something out at midnight or 1 a.m. And I have to say, earnings are definitely still exciting, but less stressful than when I worked on Wall Street. So over the years, I've gone through a lot of earnings releases. And I've seen really great ones. I've seen awful ones. I've seen ones that have essentially led to bankruptcies, forced sales. I've seen others that really did mark a sea change in a company's trajectory. But there's something about earnings that always jumps out at me as so intriguing. And that is taking one earnings release, one set of results, and then trying to figure out how does that fit into the big picture. So for some companies, they may release an awful report. The numbers just aren't good. How do you know if that's the start of something really bad? Or if this is a blip, if this is a speed bump and the subsequent quarter is going to be good and after that, all of the other earnings releases are going to be just fine. It's that dynamic of not only analyzing the near term, but taking those results and then trying to put them in a long-term perspective, that's what intrigues me. And that's why Apple's fourth quarter 2018 results still stand out to me. This was back in November 2018. You probably recall this was the earnings release that Apple announced it was going to change the way it discloses its financials. So it was going to move away from unit sales and essentially put more emphasis on revenue and margins. That was a turning point. And I still think we're trying to assess just what kind of turning point, but it marked a certain evolution in Apple's business. We went over this unit sales disclosure in detail back in episode 136, the unit sales crutch. And if I had to sum up an entire episode, 33 minutes into one sentence, Apple outgrew unit sales. And you could see how important this is when thinking about the relationship between short-term earnings and long-term financial trends. In the short term, Wall Street has been completely focused on unit sales, and it was this way for years. And I still think they are. Quarter by quarter, you can have great unit sales, bad unit sales. It depends on a lot of things. Upgrade cycles for the iPhone. Years ago, it depended on retail distribution, which mobile carriers were supporting iPhone. The same scenario took place with the iPad, in which you had great years, great growth in terms of unit sales, followed by truly awful years. What ended up happening was focusing so much on unit sales made it extremely difficult to focus on the big picture. Bringing us back to our discussion of snapshots, unit sales forced people, analysts, market observers, it forced people to look at the short term, look at those individual snapshots every three months, 
Meanwhile, it made it extremely difficult to piece together multiple snapshots in a row. By disclosing new financial items and stopping the unit sales disclosure, Apple basically pressed reset on all that. Management was thinking that people were focusing too much in the near term and losing sight of the big picture. So now you see Apple breaking apart revenue into products, another term for hardware, and services. At the same time, they're breaking out gross margin into products and services. In my opinion, getting that gross margin data broken out between hardware and services is incredibly valuable. And in some ways, it actually ends up being more valuable when you piece it together and you look at the big picture. Because on any three-month snapshot, the margin really doesn't tell you a whole lot. You need to look at the trend. Unit sales was the complete opposite. Along with greater disclosure regarding revenue and margins, Apple has also started to get a little more lively when it comes to giving install-based disclosures. So how many iPhones are in the wild? Are there more people using iPads? That is incredibly useful, especially if you're trying to figure out upgrade cycles, how many people are in a position to upgrade. In my view, I would definitely take install-based disclosures over simple quarterly unit sales numbers. There's no question about that. The issue is it does seem like Apple management is going to choose when it wants to disclose install-based figures. So if those numbers stop looking as good for Apple, we may get less color on how those trends are doing over time, which is a negative. But again, that's something to keep in mind. So we're having a completely different perspective on how Apple's business is doing here. My earnings model has been changing. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think as a company evolves, you're going to have an earnings model that also evolves with it. But it produces a very interesting dynamic. And I've noticed this in the past couple of quarters. And that is, I'm focusing on the company in a different way. I'm not looking at Apple as just, okay, well, here's a company that has an iPhone business, an iPad business, Mac, wearables. Instead, there's two ways of thinking about Apple. The first is you look at Apple in terms of the iPhone business, and then you group everything else, and you can refer to that as the non-iPhone business. And again, we're talking about this from a financial perspective. I'm not talking about this from a strategy or from a leadership perspective. This is strictly a financial discussion in this episode, how to analyze the results. So we see Apple as an iPhone business and a non-iPhone business. And when you look at the company in that way, there's a tug of war at play. That's where I got the title for this episode. For the past few quarters, we have been seeing the iPhone business show weakness while every other product category, literally every other product category, even the Mac, (laughs) has shown strength, momentum. I have my earnings model in front of me. We have the iPad, 17% revenue growth in the first quarter 2019, 22% revenue growth in the second quarter 2019. I think that's going to continue into the third quarter 2019. 
We have services. Of course, this is pretty well known. Revenue growth between 15 and 20%. What's remarkable about that is as that base gets larger, Apple's still able to keep that revenue growth going. Yes, it's going down. There is a deceleration revenue growth for services. But I tend to think people are being a little bit more pessimistic about it than they should. Again, we have Apple revamping its entire content distribution strategy. You have the prospects. Again, we we don't have any official information from Apple about this, but the prospects of something like an Apple Plus bundle in which you can group Apple Music, Apple News Plus, Apple TV Plus, Apple Arcade. Imagine grouping all of that into one bundle, having your entire family use that. Apple can even provide a discount for bundling instead of subscribing to each individual service, which, to be completely honest, seems a bit daunting for many people in which you have all these different things that are constantly coming up for renewals. If you have just one bundle and your whole family uses, even if you don't use something like Apple News Plus or Apple Arcade from month to month, you're still going to stay subscribed to this Apple Plus bundle. Well, that can change Apple's services business. That could really add pretty decent growth to that. You can see how that's pretty difficult to model on a quarter-to-quarter basis. We're just not there yet. We don't have as much visibility into that. I do think there is something there, though, in terms of Apple not disclosing Apple TV Plus pricing. I think there could be some surprises later on this year. So maybe expect that at the iPhone, Apple Watch event September. We may get some more information regarding that. Then you have, of course, wearables. Apple Watch revenue up 40%, 35%. My estimates have that still going up double digits. AirPods revenue, even stronger. And then you have all the different accessories, new devices for the home. I don't necessarily think there's as much momentum with that compared to, say, wearables, but it adds up. The end result is that you have the iPhone business showing revenue declining between 10 and 15% while the non-iPhone business is growing between 15 and 20% of revenue basis. They're canceling each other out. And so for the third quarter, 2019, the earnings release that's coming up for Apple, my expectation is that Apple will report a number that's basically flat revenue growth. And that doesn't match the narrative that's in the press. When you look at these large publications and they're writing articles about Apple, There's boilerplate language on how services is the only growth factor for Apple. This is a company that's becoming a services company because of iPhone sales going down. The results do not back that up. Instead, what you're seeing is, yes, there is iPhone weakness. There is no question about that. There is a debate as to what's causing it. I do think that the upgrade cycle is the biggest issue here. In addition, you have the era of bringing iPhone to new mobile carriers. Well, that ended. That was a major tailwind for unit sales. That's done. And so now Apple is dependent on having upgrades. And then once you upgrade, what do you do with your old phone? Well, put it into the gray market. Expand the install base that way. That is a key growth factor for Apple. That's becoming the iPhone story. Meanwhile, we're seeing a mini renaissance in a way 
with the iPad business. It's not that unit sales is the story, but unit sales combined with average selling price. Apple is seeing momentum from a revamped iPad strategy. And this brings us to a topic that we talked about recently in episode 149, letting go of the rope, in which Apple is embracing a different product strategy. This is a company that used to be pulling the product line forward. And what you saw was the iPad and the Mac, well, they were at the end of the rope. And they were kind of going all over the place. They were at risk of just being kind of let go. (laughs) And now you're seeing Apple embrace more of a push system where they're pushing all of the product categories forward at the same time. I think you're starting to see some of that benefit flow through the results for the iPad and Mac businesses. Of course, there's still going to be volatility here. Last quarter, Mac revenue was down 5%. Now, there was a story to that, though. There were some supply constraints. If you back that out, unit sales would have been up. So I don't think that 5% revenue decline is really realistic. I don't think it was a true number. But going forward, it is certainly possible the Mac has a bad quarter here or there. It's certainly possible the iPad has a bad quarter. But again, the important thing here is to look at how all of these quarterly snapshots come together. And I think you're seeing stabilization enter the game. iPad, Mac, I think services is going to have stabilization like we really haven't seen with Apple before. And then wearables. We're still in growth phase for that. (laughs) There isn't really much stabilization yet, but I think the same sort of idea applies in which you may have really strong growth now, but there's going to be a point where the Apple Watch upgrade cycle begins to weigh on some of those unit sales trends. I think that's actually happening now. It may happen with wireless earpods eventually. And what that means is the focus then has to shift to what are upgrade trends? Are people handing in old Apple Watches? Are they then being transferred to other buyers via the gray market so that the watch install base continues to grow? You can see how this is a very different type of discussion than just looking at unit sales for any one quarter or looking at revenue for any one quarter, since Apple doesn't disclose unit sales anymore. At this point, it's worth going over an example of how we can take a quarterly financial number from Apple and get so much out of it. Let's look at iPhone revenue. There's a way of backing into an average selling price estimate. Apple doesn't sell a whole lot of iPhone models. So trying to derive an average selling price estimate It's not like it's a black box. I think it's very possible. It's doable. A similar dynamic is found with unit sales. One thing I've noticed over the past few months is these industry research firms, their estimates are just awful. They are so inaccurate that their numbers don't match the disclosures from Apple. There was one firm that estimated iPhone unit sales at such a low number that it would have implied average selling price was essentially at a record. And it just, it doesn't match it. And it wasn't a close, it wouldn't have been a close record either. It doesn't match reality. And I think the problem here is that because Apple moved away from unit sales, you need a really good earnings model as a substitute, as a way of taking revenue trends 
Taking Apple's comments about how the install base is doing, how upgrade is doing, basically taking every single clue you can get, plugging that into the model to come up with an average selling price estimate, to come up with a unit sales estimate, even a channel inventory estimate. You put all of those together, and what does it do? It gives you an inside look at how customer demand is trending. And again, the key is not just to focus on one quarter, but look at the big picture. When you look at iPhone sell-through demand, and again, we're not going to talk about channel inventory numbers. I have all of that, but we're not going to talk about it on this episode because I think that could get a little bit complicated. <laughs> and I probably could talk about it for 15 to 20 minutes alone. But if you look at sell-through demand, and this excludes any impact from Apple putting iPhones into channel inventory or having the, the inventory kind of come back to a lower level ahead of a product launch. This is looking just really at customer demand. You can see what's been going on with the iPhone. And it's not that you had a situation where iPhone demand was going up, 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 like the beginning of a roller coaster, going up the hill, and then all of a sudden, a complete crash, and it's still going down. That's not what's happening. And said back in 2016, there was much volatility when it came to iPhone demand. One quarter was down 7%, the next quarter was up 8%, the following quarter was flat, <laughs> then down, then up again. More recently, in the first quarter 2019, so that's the end of 2018, we saw an implosion in iPhone demand. And that is the entire issue regarding China. And also there was a weakness in the U.S., my theory on all of this, my thinking is that you had a, a number of factors at play, but essentially it was a longer upgrade cycle. So people were not rushing out and upgrading. And you had in China genuine economic anxiety. And I think that impacted the iPhone business. It actually impacted Apple's entire business, not just iPhones, any big ticket purchase item. But the thing that's been happening is that demand has been improving. Two quarters ago, back in the first quarter of 2019, that was the bad quarter. It was down about 19%. Back in the second quarter of 2019, that was January, February, March, it was down 13%. I think when Apple reports earnings next week, you're going to see a slight improvement from that 13%. And it's certainly possible that you see improvement from that once Apple provides guidance. This brings us back to the episode's theme. If you're looking at just one snapshot, you're probably going to get a very different takeaway versus if you're combining snapshots together to see what's really happening with something like the iPhone business. And when you look at sell-through demand, what happens to the Apple narrative? What happens to all this boilerplate language about Apple is rushing to services because of weak iPhone sales? What happens to all of that? If we get into a situation where iPhone demand stabilizes, does that mean Apple is no longer going to care about launching new services? Of course not. It's because launching new services is about something bigger than just trying to offset iPhone sales. Apple is trying to strengthen the ecosystem. Apple has a billion customers using more than 1.4 billion devices. They want to play a role in how we use those devices. 
and that's a plug for episode 147, a faster bumper car. It's why I think the competition in tech is going to be between Apple and Google and Facebook, and not necessarily Apple versus, say, Amazon or Microsoft. You can also see why we talk about the topics that we do. So we talked about Apple's billion users, Apple's changing product strategy, this idea of new competition. It all comes back to the major themes that I see unfolding in Apple's business. And it's not that any one quarter leads me to these theories and these opinions and this perspective, but it's combining multiple quarters together and taking a look at how those trends have been developing over the past couple years. That's the secret for figuring out what topics really deserve the attention. What topics deserve much more research than just simply, well, iPhone unit sales are down. That's that. This takes us to the last topic for today, and that is guidance. When we talk about reviewing quarterly earnings, guidance is a crucial item. And now it goes back to the idea of Wall Street being an expectations game. Three months ago, Apple provided third quarter 2019 guidance. That was that revenue figure, $52.5 billion to $54.5 billion. Well, Wall Street took that guidance and began to run with different assumptions, different estimates. I'm talking about sell-side analysts, buy-side analysts, all different market participants. Well, what's going to happen next week is that when Apple provides fourth quarter 2019 revenue guidance, that's going to be the focus. Everyone's going to take that guidance range and then adjust their expectations, their estimates accordingly. So in some ways, the current results, they're not even really paid attention to. And I think that's a mistake. I don't think it's right to just simply say, well, all of those results are in the rearview mirror. What's important is what comes ahead. Well, sure. I don't think that's really up for question, that statement. But instead, there is value in going back, sifting through the results to see what happened. What's going on? It's not enough just to look at guidance every three months and say, okay, well, that's the only thing I'm focusing on. You're really going to be kind of like a chicken without the head. You're not going to really know what to do. You're just basing everything on a couple numbers. Instead, taking a look at what happened in the third quarter, listening to what Apple management has to say about the quarter, maybe there were changes in demand. For example, my expectation is that iPhone demand continued to improve from March into April and May, but something may have happened in June. There are a few data sources out there that suggest demand weakened a little bit. Was that due to U.S.-China trade tensions, weaker economic trends in certain countries? We'll find that out next week. It's, of course, certainly possible that maybe strength in some parts of the iPhone business offset weakness in, say, other geographies. The other element about guidance, especially when it comes to Apple, that I struggle understanding why people don't focus on this more, is that when you have a company that has revenue dependent on when new products are launched, well, the timing of those launches is crucial. So if we're looking at fiscal year, fourth quarter, 2019 revenue guidance, 
it's going to be very dependent on when Apple launches the flagship iPhones, when Apple launches new Apple Watches. If we have a situation where Apple splits the flagship iPhone launch between September and October, similar to what happened last year, in which you had the iPhone XR launch in October, that's going to impact guidance. It's not going to be a huge thing, maybe a billion dollars here or there, but that matters. And so it's kind of funny when people say, well, all I'm going to do is look at that one number. You can't. (laughs) If guidance is really strong, it could just mean that Apple's going to have three iPhones launch in September. That's going to give them a tailwind versus last year. Meanwhile, if it's really weak, it could mean that maybe one of the models is launched after the other two. There could be some incentive for Apple to do that. This is why it's going to be important to listen to the conference call, assess Apple management's commentary on the issue. That's the thing about the third quarter release every fiscal year. It's sort of a wild card because that fourth quarter guidance is for the fall product launch. It's the biggest one for Apple during the year. There's a lot of moving parts. And so really what that means is that that guidance range, it could be talked up or down very easily. You could just simply say, well, it's strong because of this. It's, it's weak because of that. It makes things a little bit more complicated. So I do think that's going to add some excitement to next week's earnings. Well, as I promised at the beginning of the episode, this discussion was going to be a little bit different than usual. Hopefully, I provided a little bit of insight as to how I think about earnings. How do I approach quarterly earnings? What are the things that I'm looking at? Maybe what are some of the things that I don't focus on as much? In essence, my focus is on analyzing the individual snapshots that a company provides every three months, also known as earnings, and then stringing multiple snapshots together to get insight as to the big picture. That's going to do it for today's episode. If you would like to receive my Apple earnings review, there will be two daily updates dedicated to going over earnings sent next week. So that will be the Wednesday and Thursday following Apple's earnings. Typically, what I'll do is the first daily update goes over all of the major themes from the earnings release. The second update will then go through my full notes. So there may be one data point that jumps out at me, instead of kind of going deeper into that data point, I would just list that and then we'll just go over topic after topic. Typically, we cover a few dozen topics. For those of you who are already above Avalon members, my earnings reviews will be sent directly to your inbox. For those of you who would like to receive these earnings reviews and you're not currently an Above Avalon member, just head on over to AboveAvalon.com, then go to the membership page. Sign-up forms are there. It's either $20 per month or $200 per year. And then the updates will be sent directly to your inbox going forward. There is also an archive available. So if you want to read previously sent daily updates and analysis that went out to members, you could do that as well. Based on member feedback over the years, my earnings reviews are very well received and valuable. And so I do take pride in that. And I look forward to Apple's upcoming earnings. With that, I will conclude today's episode. I will talk to you all later. Bye.